start our forum this afternoon, I, I don't know how many of you read the comics. I do. I have to confess I do. But I found something that I thought puts everything in perspective, and I don't want to belittle caring for residents, but I think every one of us have found ourselves in a situation very similar to this. If you can read this, this is Crankshaft, and I don't know how many of you have this in your paper, but he's an old man that lives with his, his uh, daughter and son-in-law. And his son-in-law also has an older mother. And this is when we're, um, they're at the hospital right here, and admitting her after she had fallen at home. And he's, he says to her, Mom, where's that alert button we got for you to push? She says, over here in the drawer. And he says, why didn't you push it? And she says, well, I felt I'd fallen before, and I never had a problem. Or I had dizzy spells before, and I never had a problem. But she never bothered to tell anybody. So she ended up having to be admitted in the hospital. And it says, do you live by yourself? And she says, yes. It says, uh, do you have a Medicare card? No. And her son says, yes, she doesn't. That's for old people. And I think we have been faced with things like this more than once. Um, somewhere I have some more of these. Does anybody, did anybody no. see me? No. Other overheads up here? Uh-huh. Okay, when I find the other ones, I'll show you. But it, it goes through uh, what life is like dealing with an older parent. There's humor in it. There's seriousness in it. There's frustration in it. And there's stress in it. And what we'd like to do today is cover a little bit on our own personal experiences. We have, uh, first of all, Sister Grace Spivak is going to talk on uh, caring for an elderly person in your home who is relatively well until... Uh, the very end. Uh, Sister Anita will talk about caring for parents at home who she has to contribute quite a bit to, of care to. Uh, Brother Andre will speak about caring for a well elderly parent from a distance and what he has to deal with and I will also uh, approach that part as well as caring for an elderly parent that needs more extensive care at home. In other words, becoming a care manager rather than a caregiver. Uh, first of all, Andre has a few scripture verses he wants to share with us. Well, interestingly, as I thought of scripture references that would fit today's meeting, caring for elderly parents, there are just not too many Bible references. And I would like to assume and believe that it's because God expects it. And the Lord didn't feel the need to give us a lot of instructions because that's just the way it's supposed to be. Um, the Old Testament deals with, and the New, respecting the parents. Uh, there are basically two references I would like to uh, pull out of the New Testament that somewhat fit the category. Um, oh, the first one speaks about uh, widows. And at, in this particular portion, 1 Timothy 5, 4, the Bible somewhat defines the, ch the children's responsibility to their aged parents when it says, Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, um, trusteth in God. Okay, that's 5, 4. Okay, I'm wrong. But if, by the way, that's a sign of. I just told Sister Lynn earlier, she says, you know, some of us are getting to a point where uh, those who care for aging parents are aging themselves. 
but if any widow have children or nephews, and interestingly, if you take the word, the meaning of the word nephew in this particular verse and look at the full scope of its meaning, it basically says relatives, descendants. Let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. And then, of course, uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, which hopefully most of us know by heart. I guess I'm not one of them. I have to find it and read it for you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. By the way, my mom still calls me my little bondica. That used to be my nickname. And it's interesting that already a few years ago, I think it was the last time she was able to comfortably make it to California to visit some of her children, as they went into a store, uh, she bends over to remind my oldest brother and say, now don't forget, if you need, we can use my senior card. And my son, my brother, responds, and what do you think I am, mom? And she says, that's when I remember how old I'm getting. My son is a senior. <laughs> One more cartoon. This one, where the mother is in, already admitted to the hospital, and she says, um, I'm getting old, aren't I? And he says, a little. I'm going to die, aren't I? Not today. In fact, you'll probably live longer than I will. And to himself, he's thinking, because you are going to be the death of me. And I think those of you that had to deal with some of the situations can understand this. Like I said, I don't want to be derogatory towards our parents, but we get frustrated sometimes. And then the bottom one says, when he's home talking with his wife, when I left the hospital, mom seemed pretty worried, uh, pretty scared, worried, and, and nervous. And she said, how are you doing? And he says, about the same. And I think that's where we're all coming from right now. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Sister Grace. Okay. Uh, my, my father died in 1948. My mother was left with six children. I was about 12. And Social Security was hardly anything. I think uh, she received $19 a month for me and about $18.50 for my brother. So she said, I have to go out to work. So she did. She went to work in the factory. She was a hard worker. Not only did she work in the factory, but she came home, and I worked so she would make my supper, and she did things even for me. Well... Uh, then when she became, oh, she learned to drive about when she was in her 50s. And then she, when she was about 65, it's time for her to retire. So I said, Mom, how about if we sell your car? You don't have to drive anymore. I'll drive. And she says, well, I could still drive. And I said, I know, Mother, but, you know, how about these other drivers? You might not be so quick and somebody can come. So she said, okay. She, she gave up that independence. Then... Um, We, we really hated to, to say, no, you can't do this or you can't do that. 
But um, she said, I know what I can do. I can take my own shower and I can wash my own hair. Well, I didn't like that idea because, you know, things can happen in the shower. But I bought one of those chairs where she could sit down and wash her hair. I put, had some grab bars put there so she could hold on and do that. So, again, it's too much of her independence is leaving her, and you don't want to do it because I, I didn't want her to feel like well, she was nothing. She can't do anything. She, on Sunday morning, she'd say, what should I wear? So I would pick out a couple outfits. Oh, you want to wear this? You know, gave her the choice to pick out what she wanted to wear. I did have to help her a little bit, dress her up a little bit. She did her own hair, although no fancy hairdo, where she just combed it and put some pins in it. She loved to go to church. I would say, Mother, do you feel all right? Do you want to go to church? Oh, yes, I'm going to church. And so she did. She, we, we went in the morning. And, uh, fortunately, I live very close to church, so... I could, we can go to church, and then I, I would ask her, I said, do you want to stay for the afternoon? Sometimes she said yes. Sometimes she says, no, you take me home. And as I say, we live close. I would take her home, go back to church for that hour, and then I was home again. Um, let's see what else I want to say. We also lived on a one floor. That, to me, that was very important because she could not climb. We had a townhouse before that. She could not climb those steps. So we bought, uh, I bought a, a one floor, which was uh, great because then she could move around and do as she wanted to. Uh, as I said, she loved going to church. She, she had a really strong singing voice. And so I think that, that made her feel a little bit independent too, that she can go and, to church and not just sit there, but also to sing. Uh, she loved, when we were living in Florida, she loved having company come over. And they would talk. She was real clear in her mind. I mean, she would talk about all kinds of things way back when. But one time we were at somebody's house, had a gathering, and she said, Grace, did we have supper? And I thought, oh, my gosh, these people think I don't feed her or something. And I said, yes, Mother, we, we had supper. She said, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, c- talking about these little cartoons, one time she saw a, a lady and she said, Look at that old lady. And I said, you know what, Mother? I think you're younger than she is. She didn't consider herself to be an old lady. Um, When she finally, she had a stroke. And uh, the doctor said it's irreversible. She isn't going to live just a couple of days. But she fooled them all and she lived for 11 days. And my one regret was that I wasn't there when she died. Uh, I was just ready to leave home for the, for the hospital, and they called and said that she, that she died. We had, a lot, we had some gray days, but we had a lot of good days, and those are the things that I want to remember. Okay, along with uh, what Sister Grace said, what I'd like you to do is, if you have any questions... Uh, um, on dealing with different situations, wait until the end, and we will try and provide some time for that. Uh, I can relate to what uh, Sister Grace is saying also, especially when she said about her mom uh, not realizing that she's getting older. We have to frequently remind my parents, have you looked at your birth certificate lately? Because, like my dad, wants to do everything he did when he was 35 and 40 years old. And I said to him one day, Dad, you're not 30 years old anymore. And he says, how do you know? My baby's older than that. Oh. But it's, it's a difficult 
time for them to accept growing older and we become the caregivers instead of them caring for us, the roles are reversed. Sister Anita. I just want to give some background information. Um, up until four, year, four years ago, my parents were very, very healthy. And in both cases, with my mother and my father, um, the illness was very sudden. It was overnight, so a lot of changes had to be, adjustments had to be made um, instantaneously. Um, my dad was in an industrial accident that had left, he, where he broke his neck, it left him completely paralyzed uh, from the chest down. He was in rehab for four months. Um, and with my mom, uh, she, this was uh, several years after that, she had uh, was taken, I took her to, the, I had to actually forcibly take her to the hospital as she was complaining of chest pain. And she ended up having a triple, triple bypass and a stroke afterwards, um, both of which we never expected because she was pretty asymptomatic um, prior to that. Um, so, and I had lived away from them for 20 years. Uh, so what happened was after, my parents lived on a farm, um, so that was the decision was made pretty quickly for them that they need to move uh, closer to the city to be near doctors and so forth. I was living in Kitchener at the time. I had my own home. Um, we had decided that we needed to build a handicapped home for my father to meet all of his needs. So in our case, I had lived away from them for 20 years. They had to move from a place where they had lived for over 30 years. Um, we both into a new home where neither one of us had lived before. Um, and so there, and in their case, we had to find, I had to find new doctors, new dentists, new everything for them. And uh, they were going to a different church, uh, even one that they had visited before, but nonetheless, it's, it was a different church. They actually had to um, build a ramp so my dad could get into the church. Otherwise, he, it would, he wouldn't have been able to get into church. Um, so the, uh, the illness was gradual. I mean, it was very sudden versus being gradual. I had not lived with my parents for 20 years, so there were many adjustments. Um, we needed a nurse case manager um, while my dad was in rehab to set him up with all of his needs. Um, we, we couldn't even imagine, uh, we couldn't even fathom what went into taking care of him. So we're very thankful for that, that they, the hospital provided that um, and the therapists and so on to meet, for us to show us how we are to meet his needs. Um, so we definitely couldn't have done it without professional help. Um, and currently right now we have, uh, we still have two hours a day of home care for him. Um, so, so when my parents moved to Kitchener and then it was just two months after that we, they had moved, we, they had moved that my mom had her surgery and her stroke. So we are both adjusting to living into a new home. Um, so when my mom became sick, uh, we got home care to come in as well for her, and we increased the home care for my dad. Um, I had to work part-time for about two months because I simply could not handle um, my dad in a wheelchair. My mom came home in a walker, so I had to make um, that adjustment. I'm working. My mom, had, thank the Lord, has pretty well made a complete recovery. Um, I'm working full-time again. Uh, what we do at home is uh, we take turns cooking. Um, I, I'm off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So I take care of the meals those days. Then when I'm working Wednesday to Saturday, my mom uh, takes care of that. We make the meal. We talk about the meals to, uh, for the whole week prior to that, uh, so that everything's pretty well organized. Um, um, different things. Um, I try to encourage my mom to do the things that she still can, and to discourage her from things that she cannot do. Um, they lived on a farm. She had a big garden. She had 
flower beds all around the house. Um, I said to my mom that, you know, we need to keep the property maintenance free. Um, so she still wants to have flowers. So what we do is we, we build some flower boxes, um, have some flower pots hanging. So she's not bending down to do the weeds. She just has to water the flowers and, and take, it's very easy to take care of the weeds that way. So, and she likes to cook, so I encourage her to cook on the days when I'm working. So that's nice to come, for me to come home to a home-cooked meal. Um, thankfully, my dad is able to go to church on Sunday mornings. He needs a nap in the afternoon. And he's pretty tired to, um, to go to church in the evening. So uh, we take, my mom and I take turns in the afternoons and the evenings going to church. Um, so they are tell my dad, um, if he has a good nap, he can come to church. Um, fortunately, we have lots of visitors that come. When my parents first moved, everyone wanted to invite us over, and um, not too many people have a wheelchair-accessible home. Uh, so I would just tell them to come to the house, and uh, my mother, uh, being the hospital person that she is, uh, as soon as someone walks in the door, she gets busy in the kitchen, putting on the coffee, getting the cookies out, and... I, I told my mom, I said, you know, they have called to come and visit you. You, you, you can keep it simple. I just serving cold drinks is fine. Uh, it's not going to offend them. They called you. They just, the purpose is to visit you and encourage you. They don't want to create work for you. Um, I don't, still don't think she understands that 100%. Um, and also, in my case, I am the only sibling. I have, there's four, of, four children in our family. I'm the only one in town. Uh, my sisters are on opposite ends of the continent. I have one in New Jersey and one in British Columbia, so I can't depend on them for any assistance. And my brother, he lives a couple hours away, and he, when he comes, he comes for day, day trips. My sisters, when they come with their family, it's more than just a weekend because they live so far away. So then the case is when they come, then we also have to plan for all the meals that they're here. And my mom wants to do everything that she did before in terms of you know, Alma's favorite Kifli's, Alma's this and Alma's that, and the kids love it, but I told my mom that, you know, you don't have to do everything that you did before, especially at Christmas time. She used to bake up a storm, and, and I've told her, you know, you don't have to bake as much. Um, we can have fruit, and we can have nuts, and if it's there, we're going to eat it, but if it's not there, we're not going to eat it. Um, we're not going to go hungry. Um, just enjoy them, the company, and you don't have to make as much work for yourself. Um, I'm still working on that. Um, I, as I said, we are thankful we have lots of visitors. Our CFG um, has put out a schedule to visit our shut-in members of our church, and that's a real blessing to my parents. And my mom still wants to pull out drinks and things when the company comes, and I've told her not to do that, that they're just there for a half an hour, and then they usually go on to a potluck supper or something at church. Um, some other things I want to mention, uh, special considerations and difficulties. Uh, every, anytime we take my dad somewhere, we have, we have to make sure it's wheelchair accessible, and most public places are. But even if it's wheelchair accessible, it doesn't mean it's very friendly wheelchair acceptable. Um, uh, for instance, when I found a, we found a dentist, it, he, it was wheelchair accessible, but you have to go through about three set, different sets of doors where there's no automatic door, so someone has to hold it. They're very tight. Together, the corners are very hard to turn. The, his, um, all of his um, individual offices are very, very small, so we have to pretty well rearrange the office when he goes for his checkup to, just to get him in, in the one exam room. So there's different things to think of. Um, when I went, We took him out for his birthday to a, a restaurant. Um, it was wheelchair accessible, but um, the hallways were, or the aisleway was very dimly, or dimly lit to create ambience and, you know, he had a hard time seeing, and 
Um, we did get a corner table, but it was right by the fireplace, and there was a big tree there with lots of leaves in it that was kind of interfering. So there's different things to think about that way as well. Um, just different um, stresses and solutions. Um, in our case, it was always a crisis situation, and one thing I would recommend is to accept help when it's given to you. Um, in our church, uh, when, usually when a <clears throat> lady has a baby, there's a meal schedule put out, and, uh, and then Sister Martha Weinhardt, who organizes that, um, she, when my mom went to the hospital, uh, she s- approached me and said, can we make some meals for you? And it kind of took me aback because I wasn't having a baby. And, uh, and I said, oh, yes, because I was working, you know, juggling care. To, we had to rearrange care for my dad. had to go see my mom at the hospital every day. And I didn't even have time to get groceries alone, put a meal together. So I was very thankful for that. Then she ended up having a stroke afterwards, so she's in the hospital a bit longer. And then Martha says, well, it was just originally for two weeks. And Martha goes, well, can we extend it for another week? I said, can you? I said, well, that would be really great. I just didn't want to feel that... I was putting anyone out, but you shouldn't feel that way if that's being offered to you. Um, you should accept it. And also, um, another thing that she did was she just came by my work and she asked me, well, is there anything I can do? And I was thinking, uh, well, I have this list of things to do on my way home. One of them was just like putting gas in my car and other different things. And, and she said, well, I can do that for you. And she said, just give me your keys and your credit card and I can take care of those things for you while you're at work, and even though it was, it was an hour's worth of errands that I would have had to run afterwards, but that hour felt like an extra day that I had gotten, and at that time when I really needed it, it was a real blessing. So even though you think it's just a little thing that might not make a difference, it can really make a world of a difference in a crisis situation when you need, when hours and, and minutes do count. Um, and then just in terms of role reversal, um, that's, that's very hard because you still want to honor your mother and your father, um, but yet there are some decisions that, that have to be made and even though they were always taking care of you they might not be making the best decision that is possible so that's really hard to find that, that boundary of um, when you know when do you take over the situation and not necessarily do what they request you to do but still, still to honor them um, just a few other things to think of. Um, this past uh, winter, we had quite a few deaths in Kitchener, and um, I had approached my parents about thinking of funeral arrangements. Um, something hard to do because you don't want to tell them to think about dying or their death, but yet it's inevitable. And in my case, I don't have any siblings in town. Um, they would, you know, they didn't. We were not raised in Kitchener, so it wasn't like they could come home to a place where they where they would be familiar with the funeral homes or the cemeteries, I would have to take care of everything. Um, so we had talked about it, and uh, we were actually at a visitation uh, of a funeral, and um, we met the funeral director, and I just introduced my parents and said, we're thinking of possibly making some arrangements. He looked at my dad's son in the wheelchair. and said, well, you know, I can come to the house. So I went ahead and made an appointment um, and then told my parents about it afterwards, and then my mom was a little upset that I had that I hadn't made the appointments. But... Um, in the end, it all worked out, and their headstones should be up by the end of the summer. <laughs> but it's something to... It, all I had to do was make one phone call when that happens. I'm thinking if my mom dies before my dad, then there's going to be all kinds of things that I'm going to have to take care of that I'm not necessarily doing now. And 
and all my siblings will be coming home for that and just you know that's one less stress that I have to think of as well um, so and it's not something pleasant to talk about but it's something that you do have to think about um, my mom has a sister in in town who is a widow with no children um, and I'm also the executive of her estate um, so it's important to know where all the papers are if you're in such a situation so she's shown me where her papers are she's given me the name of her lawyer um, I've tried to talk to her about some of these things and she's doesn't really want to talk about her funeral either but it's something to think about to make sure that those that are looking after your things when you're gone that they know where to look and what you do and if you can make some of your requests known then you know it's hard to know what or to think of what your parents want when when they're gone um, something else is uh, to just to avoid burnout to know what your limitations are um, and not to feel guilty uh, you do the best that you can, and that's all that you can do. And um, just as something else is, is um, not to judge others. So I had a sister share with me, who's in a very similar situation, that um, someone, her, her mother's actually in a nursing home, and someone said to her, well, you know, why don't you bring your mom to church? Um, it'd be nice for her to come to church, but uh, her mother um, is incontinent. She has beginnings of dementia and has Alzheimer's, so... It's not a physical possibility to bring her to church as much as she would want to bring her to. And and then the, this uh, the mo uh, this woman made a comment to her, um, well, you know, she took care of you and, and you have to take care of her and wouldn't it be nice for her to come to church? And not understanding the whole situation and not to put pressure on on the on the caregiver. And she's we try to do the best that we can for our parents and there's only so much we can do. And unless you're actually walking in her shoes or in that situation, um, not to judge the caregiver, because they, they, I'm sure they're, everyone's trying to do that, um, the best that they can. And, and when the time comes, you, you, if that, you, you want to provide the best care for your parents, the best physical care, and sometimes you cannot do it. There's a time to put them in a nursing home and not to feel guilty about that, but when the time comes, you have to do that. Um, that's all I can think of for now. Okay, before uh, I pass it down to my husband, I do want to say that uh, about the handouts, uh, what I tried to do in the swing caring for elderly parents is give you some idea of age-related changing, what the results are with the older uh, parent, and what how that impacts on the care that you're going to give them. I did it with aging, with psychosocial aspects, with spiritual aspects, with safety in the home. Uh, I even have one, one area I did on legal aspects, and that what uh, Sister Nia referred to about finding out where their insurance papers are, where their bank accounts are, or the numbers of their bank accounts and things like this. This is very important, and if you can help them uh, draft a letter of uh, information, if you want to call it that, because they may resist and say, Mom or Dad, we want to know where everything is so when you die we don't have to look for it. I mean, that's kind of harsh. And you want to give them the respect and the honor that's due them as your parents, first of all. And you also want to preserve their quality of life, that they're still in control. And if they can help you organize things like this now, they'll understand that it's going to be a lot easier on you and any siblings that you might have uh, when the time comes when they, when they pass on. And they know that, that eventually they're going to pass on. My mother's had her funeral arrangements made for years. Um, 
And she told my sister where to find them. She knows what songs she wants sung at her funeral. She knows who she wants to have the services. Uh, I'm praying that the minister that she's, she would like to have will not pass away before she does. And uh, because they're both getting up there in the years. But that's beside the point right now. But any, uh, any help that you would need or any information other than this, I did also bring a lot of um, handouts down here that deal with different aspects of care and helping your elderly parents or another older person that, that you may be responsible for. Uh, the other thing is managing your own life to keep your life in balance, both spiritually and uh, emotionally. It's a very difficult situation. Uh, there are times I know, in, especially dealing with my mother, she's, she's relatively healthy yet, but she has short-term memory loss, and it's not getting any better. And recently we had to take her medication away from her because her eyesight, because of macular degeneration, is not as acute as it was, once was, and she can't distinguish between some of the medications she's taking. So I sit down with her on a weekly basis, and I set out all of her meds for the next week according to the time, explain everything with her, and invariably that night or the following morning, I'll get a phone call. Peg, Mom dumped all her meds together because she wants to make sure they're the right ones. How do I know? So I now have um, a list that describes every medication she takes, what it looks like, what time she takes it, and what it's for. And I said, Mom, you don't need to handle your meds. I said, all you need to do is take what's here. But I have to see that they're correct. I said, Mom, they, were, they are correct because you helped me put them in here. And sometimes I have to say, Mom, I'm talking to you now as a nurse, not as your daughter. And I find that she's more responsive that way. And then when I'm done, I say, OK, now I'm your daughter again. And then we can go back and, and talk about things that I've learned from her throughout the years. And it's very important towards the end stage of their lives that we show them that we have learned from them and how we're applying the lessons that we've learned from our parents. And it, it's really kind of cute sometimes. Uh, my sisters and I recently just had a real good laugh how mom used to hide things from us when we were kids and didn't pick up our toys. And she put them in what she called Hawk, and we never knew what Hawk was. And we never knew where it was. All we knew was the toys disappeared. And I can remember her putting them in a bag that oranges come in but I never knew what happened to that bag. So when uh, Carol and Kath and I were there one night with her, and Kath asked her, Mom, where's Hawk? And she says, I'm not telling you. And I says, Mom, and I get real serious. I says, will you do me a favor? And she went, I said, before you die, will you please tell me where Hawk is? Because some of those toys in there have got to be antiques, and they could probably play, pay my grandchildren's way through college by now. Well, we all got a good laugh out of there. And Cass said, Mom, where is Hawk? And she looked at her and she says, they're where my pills are. Because we wouldn't tell her where her medication was because she was taking too many. So now it's kind of a joke between us. Mom, your pills are in Hawk. And she's more accepting of that now than she would have been if I would have said, Mom, we can't trust you. And I still can't say, Mom, we can't trust you. I can say, Mom, I know it's difficult for you in seeing to distinguish between some of the little pills. And we want to help you for your safety, not because we don't think you're competent and not because we don't think you can do it. You've done it all these years, but now you need a little extra help. But then in, in place of that, we had to find something that mom can do 
She said, sometimes I feel so worthless. And I said, Mom, I can understand that because if anybody that knows my mother knows that she was always involved doing things for others and, and things like this. And I said, Mom, you know, you've got six children, and I forgot how many grandchildren she has. Maybe Martha knows off the top of her head. And great-grandchildren, I says, who has more time than you right now to sit there and pray for them individually, especially for your, your great-grandchildren and your grandchildren, because they have young families, and they're very busy, and they need all the prayer help that they can get, just like you did. Well, she can pray, and she does that, and it helps her be more accepting of her own situation where she physically is not able to do a lot of things anymore. But the, the enjoyment she gets from seeing her children, her grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren, I just can't believe when uh, our son was over there and his children, he has five children, they were all, well, six of them now, but uh, before the baby was born, they were over there just recently, and by the way, the baby is only not even two months old. Mom got the biggest delight in watching these great-grandchildren of hers. Or if, if, like when Martha was there, she, she called me the uh, next day and she says, I had company, and I said, who was there? And she said, well, Martha was there with Stephen, and Diane was there with Lily. And they are the sweetest babies. And just to see her holding her great-grandchildren, I wouldn't miss that for anything in the world. And she can sit in her chair, and she can hold the great-grandchildren, and that gives her a little bit of quality of life. She can sing to them. She can snuggle them. She can, she can love them. And they know that. And it gives her a little peace of mind that, yes, I can do something like this. I'm going to hand it to my husband, who has a mother who's relatively healthy, uh, lives at home independently, and uh, does quite well. I'd like to talk a little bit about my mother-in-law. Several weeks ago, we were we tried to stop over every so often. As Peggy mentioned, uh, she sorts out her medication for the next week, two or three weeks, depending on the schedule that we might be returning. And I remember, as my wife finished one weeks of medication, morning, noontime, and dinner time, and bedtime for the whole week. She put it into this last little container, every one of those marked and wrapped around, uh, etc. And she proceeded to do the second week. <clears throat> and while she was working on the second week, my sweet mother-in-law dumped all the first week's medication out into one pile. And my wife looks up with this horror on her face and says, Mom, what are you doing? Well, she says, I'm sorting according to color. <laughs> while it's, you know... I was thankful she didn't do like one of her sisters did. She flushed hers down and come out. Well, <clears throat> on the lighter side, uh, her and her cousin Marge Feldman were sharing notes and found out that their mothers are very, acting very much alike. Of course, their sisters also in the flesh as well. And then I... Uh, turned to Marge and said, does that mean that we are going to have to deal with the same thing? She said, you're going to have it worse because your wife and I are pamer pafco mixture. <laughs> I'm really blessed, truthfully. My sweet mother will be 89 uh, before the year is out. 
She has given birth and raised 11 children. She tells a story when one of my siblings, I don't know which one, but one of them, she was hoeing out on the fields. And she felt the birth pangs come on her. And she went into the house, gave birth, and shortly after that returned, hoeing the fields. Because it had to be done. That's just one of many experiences that she has gone through. But God has blessed her with so many things. And we, I personally thank the Lord every day for the good health my mom has. Yeah, she has her aches and pains and she sometimes complains about them. And I have to remind her and said, Mom, if the Lord grants me as long to live as you are, and if that's all the pain I'm going to have, I'll be thankful for that. I believe one of the best things, and of course we should not wait to care for our aging parents until they no longer can care for themselves, or they get so confused that they actually become a harm or a potential harm to themselves by mixing medications, by uh, taking medications before it's necessary or, or taking it early along with the early medications, pills, etc., but uh, I try to keep in phone contact with my mom, visit every so often. One thing that's best for them and they really enjoy, and we do too, is to talk about good old times, experiences, pleasant memories, and that really helps them. And interestingly, those are things that Peggy's mom remembers very well also. And those are the things that pull her out sometimes of her. It's not easy. I, I don't know what it is like because I'm not there yet, but to give up control seems to be extremely hard for most all people. For them to accept that they can no longer make safe decisions is, is, seems to be almost impossible for the aging parents to accept. And it's, I suppose, hard on our children also, us as children, to see our parents get to the point, strong and firm as they were. And now, sometimes you have to be strong and firm, yet compassionate, loving to them. And it's not easy to do. I have spent, and interestingly, I'm thankful for that, and it doesn't always happen that way. At my mom's initial uh, initiation or starting, we actually went and picked out the, the funeral lot, the lot for her. And uh, she made some arrangements of, of, her, of the funeral, whenever that might be. And you know, I admire her. Uh, of the little penury that she gets, she saved what she feels enough to bury her. Because she says, I don't want to be a burden on my children. <clears throat> She's still a good example. I was there the other day. Her door latch uh, fell apart. Actually, didn't want to open, so they tore it apart to get inside the house. And then I went to put on a new latch, and she was hovering over me as I was working with my tools and telling me what to do. <laughs> I love her. I'm thankful for her. 
enjoy your parents while they're around. Enjoy them while you can. And enjoy them while they still understand what that is. Does anybody else have any comments or any uh, questions that they would like to share with anybody here? We don't have all the answers. Every case is unique. If we keep in mind that our job is to respect and to honor our parents, no matter what the situation is, God will give us the strength. God will give us the encouragement. We cannot be too proud to accept help, and that's one difficulty my mom has because she was always doing for somebody else. And she says, now everybody has to do for me. And I said, well, Mom, look at all that you've done for other people. She says, well, I forgot about that. And I says, don't rob them of the blessing that they'll receive by helping you. She thought about that a minute, and she said, I think you're right. And I said, it's not an easy lesson for them to learn. It's not an easy lesson for them to give up. It's not an easy lesson for us to act like the parent and them as a child. But we have to do those roles sometimes. And God will give us the grace to do that and the wisdom if we ask him for it. There's also a lot of community resources. Uh, I have some samples here from the Cleveland area. If anybody wants them, uh, feel free to uh, pick them up. In the United States, we also have the... um, Department of Aging through Health and Human Services, they, put, they publish each uh, county in the United States should have a similar book or series of counties like this. It's information caring for older people, where to go for resources, community resources. Make use of these. Your Social Security office, your Medicare office, uh, places like this can help you and guide you through a lot of uh, instances where you don't know where to turn next. I can't stress the importance also of making sure that financially you have an understanding with them in taking uh, care of their financial situation, helping them pay bills, because there are people in this world that are out there preying on the elderly people, trying to rip off every cent they can from them, and uh, this can't happen. But we need to be astute enough to help them manage in their, their older years. Does anybody have any comments or questions? Now I want to thank you for coming to the forum. And again, like I say, help yourself to the um, information that I have here. On this side, I do have videos if any of you are taking care of res- uh, patients with um, that might have diabetes or uh, early dementia or Alzheimer's or osteoporosis. I do have some information videos. Elsa said she would try to get a room where we can have a VCR set up where you can view them here at camp. I think there's also one uh, putting the pieces back together after strokes. It might give you a little insight on how you can be a better caregiver and increase the quality of life for your parents. Thank you.